Have you ever wondered why Bible stories are important? They have struggles and victories, heroes and villains, miracles and wonders. They build faith and help us gain understanding. Are you ready to learn some spiritual truths through Bible stories? Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life Church. We're so glad you're here. Let's welcome everybody that's here for the first time today. So we are so glad that you are joining us, whether you're here in the building or joining us online. We are thankful that you are here and and welcome. If you are here for the very first time, you came for a great Sunday because we are starting a brand new series called Bible Stories. Now, when I think of stories, what I do initially is I think back to all the great movies that I've watched, honestly. I think back to some of those maybe action movies or or maybe some of those with some great storylines. But I bet you that if you think back to all the movies that you've watched over the years that you've been living here on this planet, I bet you the stories that you like through the movies you've watched have been tied to one of those great stories, a great character. And so what we wanna do over the next few weeks is we wanna introduce to you some Bible characters. Now, maybe some of them you've been introduced to before, but we wanna you know, help you see things from maybe a different perspective. But maybe you're not a movie guy. Maybe you're more of a book person. Now, if I'm being honest, I'm a little bit more of a movie guy than I am a book guy, okay? Now, I love reading nonfiction, but when it comes to fiction or reading stories, I think I just like to watch a great movie but we have a couple book readers at our house. Maybe you're one of those folks. Maybe you're up to like three o'clock in the, in the morning, you know, just turning page after page after page. Maybe you're not a, a, a book person or a movie person. Maybe you like real life stories. Well, I wanna encourage you. As you just heard a second ago, we have a great opportunity coming up at Summer of Serve in just about a month away. We have different drives we're doing through Memorial Day to Labor Day, but our Serve Day is coming up in June. And if you wanna get connected to some real life stories, to some opportunities to hear about some things that are happening here at Grace Life Church and also all around our community, I wanna encourage you. You don't want to miss that day. It's gonna be awesome. Well, some stories make us laugh. Some stories make us cry. I wanna start out by telling us a story that I hope makes you laugh just a little bit or maybe will at least make you chuckle under your breath. So the story goes like this. It takes place in an old country church. And a few minutes, just before the service starts, the townspeople are sitting in their pews and they're talking. Suddenly, Satan appeared right in front of them and they all got scared and they started running, trying to get out the front entrance as fast as they could. But there was one single elderly gentleman that sat in his pew without moving. It's almost like he didn't even notice that Satan was there. He wasn't even trying to get away. Soon everyone had exited the church. And that man seemed to be oblivious to the fact that God's ultimate enemy was in his presence. So Satan walked up to the man and said, you know, in his, in his scary Satan-esque voice, says, don't you know who I am? No, nope, maybe something like that. I don't know. You can make up your own thing. Don't you know who I am? The man replied, yep, sure do. Weren't you afraid of me, asked Satan? Nope, sure ain't, said the man. Satan said, well, don't you know I could kill you with just a single word? Yep, sure do. Don't you know that I could cause immense harm and and put agony into your life and just be the worst you could ever imagine? Uh Uh-huh, yep, sure do. And you're still not afraid of me, asked Satan? Nope. Well, more than a little perturbed, Satan gets right up in the man's face and says, well, why aren't you scared of me? The man calmly replied again, well, I've been married to your sister for the last 48 years. (laughs) All right, come on, I'm just a messenger, right? It's just a joke. No, no, let's not get too religious. (laughs) 
Listen, that man might not have been afraid, but the truth is, is that I think at some point in some way in our lives, we have been afraid. There's been something that's come up in our lives where we look at it and we think to ourselves, there is no way that I'm gonna be able to handle that. Maybe it came in a moment where God had asked you to do something big in your life. You know, God is a big God. And because he's a big God, he asks us to do big things for him, which is fantastic. But sometimes those things come at moments in our lives where we think to ourselves, there is no way in the world I'm going to be able to accomplish that task on my own. I remember one time God came to me. It was many years ago. It was when I was working in business. And, and I remember God called me to do a 21-day fast. If you're not familiar with what that is, it's where you abstain from something for a certain amount of time. I felt like God said to, to drink only water and juices for 21 days, a little bit of fresh fruits and vegetables. Some people call that a Daniel's fast. So over those 21 days, God spoke to me. He said, Eric, first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna, over the next year or two, you're just gonna come to a place where you're gonna quit your job. Thinking, oh, okay, God, well, what am I gonna do if I'm gonna quit my job? He's like, well, you're gonna go into ministry full-time, vocational ministry. I thought, okay, well, Lord, I mean, that's great, but you know, I have, I'm, I'm making money and how am I gonna provide for myself? So, okay, Eric, don't worry about that because you're gonna move states too. Okay, I'm gonna move states. You're gonna, you're gonna leave your friends, you're gonna leave your family, and I'm gonna call you to a place completely brand new to do something completely new for me. And I thought to myself, okay, well, how are we gonna get provision for all of these moves and all of these things? I remember stepping back for a second and being scared. I remember telling God, well, God, there's at least three things that I'm not gonna be able to move forward on this until you help me understand this. The first one was my father. My father was sick and, and I was kind of taking care of him. And I said, God, I don't know how I could ever leave my father. There's no way. Also, my grandmother, my dad's mother was still there with us and I was kind of taking care of her too. She's even a little bit older than my father. And so I'm just like, man, please, 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 please help me understand what it is I'm gonna do and be able to take care of my grandmother. And then of course, then provision of finances. I had been working the same job for almost 15 years and God had blessed us. And I thought, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to get past these things to move. So I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and God starts to move and, and some circumstances take place. And after the next year and a half or a two, all three of those things that I needed and I was fearful about and I was worried, God had made a way and had made provision for me and my family and for our lives. Now, I bet every single person in this room has been called by God to do something where you might have felt a little bit nervous. Maybe it's not something where you're gonna move across the country, you're gonna shift jobs. Maybe it's something like God's called you to stand up in your workplace for something that's going on wrong there that you know isn't supposed to be taking place and you just haven't been able to find the courage. Maybe God's called you to go to a specific college or get some specific training, but you felt like you had other ideas for your own life. That's one of our staff members here at Grace Life Church's story. They felt like they wanted to go to a particular school or to a group of schools and, and God said, no, you're gonna go to this school here in Columbia. And they thought to themselves, but God, I got these other plans and I have these other things that I wanna do and, and I'm just not sure how that's gonna work. Whatever your story might be, I want you to know that you are not alone because the Bible has stories just like yours, just like yours. 
When God speaks to us and we feel like we're not going to be able to move forward, I want you to know that God sends scripture to us, words to us, stories to us in the Bible to help encourage us to move us forward. All right, so I wanna introduce to us today the main character of the Bible story that we're gonna look at. His name is gonna be Gideon. Now, before we get into Gideon's story, I wanna give you just a little bit of context so that way you understand where we're about to interject ourselves into his story. First, if you read through the beginning books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, through those beginning books, you see that God's people in the book of Exodus are trapped in slavery. And God doesn't like his people to be trapped in slavery. He's a God of liberation. He wants us to be free. It's why he sent his son Jesus, so we could be free of sin, but more on that in a minute. So we see God's people trapped, and, and so we see that God chooses somebody, and he raises up a leader. His name is Moses, and he leads them out of slavery, but God wants them to go to the promised land. Now, because of some things in Moses' life, he's not the one to do that. Joshua is. And under Joshua's leadership, we see in Scripture that the people of God thrive. They're provided for. Joshua is an amazing leader. But then we get into the book of Judges and we see that God's people once again kind of turn and do things that they want. In fact, there's one part in the book of Judges. It says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes, meaning that everyone decided to get up in the morning and do what it is that they wanted to do. And because of that, God gave them into the hand of the Midianites. It was a group of people. They were nomadic actually the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all of the Eastern peoples, it says in the book of Judges. What they would do is they would wait until a group or a tribe had grown up all of their crops and, and their industries were thriving, and they would come in, like it says in, in scripture, like their number was like sand on the seashore. There were so many, they would come in and they would come and they would kind of pilfer the land and, and they would take everything that wasn't theirs and then they would go back. So this is the, the context in which we jump into our story today with Gideon. They're under great oppression. So in Judges 6, verse 11, it says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon, it's our character, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, get this, it's amazing, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I want you to know as we start to look through Gideon's story here over the next few minutes, you're not gonna see Gideon as a mighty warrior at all. In fact, you're probably gonna see him exactly the opposite. You're probably gonna see him as this kind of weak, almost, almost you know, uh, just this guy that can't get up and do anything for himself. And yet God comes and he calls him a mighty warrior. I wanna know that's a great encouragement for us because God sees us where we're going to be and who we're going to become right in the beginning when he comes to ask us to do things for him. He doesn't see us in the middle of all the things that we can't do, but he sees us where he's calling us into. And it's exactly what he does for Gideon here. Now, Gideon himself, he carries a little bit of bitterness towards God. We're gonna see that in his response. He says, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? It's the same thing that I said. Well, God, if you're with us and you're calling me to do this, um, why, 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 why is this happening with my dad? Why is this happening with my grandma? How am I gonna be able to provide for myself? Maybe God's come to you before and you've had those same questions. Yeah, but God, how can I do this if you call me to that? How is, it, how is this gonna work? 
Gideon was in the same way that we are. Why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not God bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and he has put us into the hand of Midian. The truth is, is that he's being a little bit disrespectful here. I can't believe that he's talking to God like this, but God's so patient. The Lord turned to him and said to go in, your, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon's a pretty weak guy here. I mean, as you start to read this, you're starting to get into his story. He, he's a weak guy, but the truth is that's in his favor because God doesn't need Gideon's strength. God has all the strength that, he, that Gideon needs. He doesn't need anything else. See, the kingdom is counterintuitive. We've been in a series, an amazing series called The Kingdom over the last series of weeks. I wanna encourage you, if you haven't had an opportunity to, to be a part of those services, I encourage you to go back to our website or our app and check out those sermons. I'm serious, it'll change your life. It's a fantastic series. And in that, we learned that the kingdom of God is counterintuitive. Some of the things that we think we're supposed to move forward in isn't in God's plan or in God's economy at all. In fact, the way to become strong is actually to walk forward in our weaknesses, trusting God's strength and provision for our lives. It doesn't make any sense that the way that we can be made strong is to walk in our own weakness. In fact, it makes even less sense for us to think that we can trust in a savior that gave up his life for us on the cross. I mean, think about what we're saying. We're saying that the way that we're made strong is to walk in our weakness and to trust in a savior that gave his life up for us. See, in the normal world's context, what we would tell ourselves is that that's not the way to be made strong. The way to be made strong is to grab onto our own strength, to, to strengthen ourselves, to make sure that we have everything we need and to trust in somebody, not that would give their life for us, but someone that would rise up and conquer the world as we know it. That, that's, what, that's what we think. But the kingdom is counterintuitive. We're weak so that way his strength can make us strong. See, if our focus, and this is Gideon's problem, if our focus is on ourselves, we will always overestimate the size of our problems and underestimate the size of our God. And that's exactly what Gideon does. Look at verse 15. But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? I kind of I picture him in his whiny voice here. <laughs> my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon's focus is on his own weakness, his own shame and his own failure. But God comes to him and he says, I will be with you. And because of that, we can do this. Listen, Grace Life Church, I want you to know that God is with you. You have to know that when you walk forward in our lives, right? God, and not just that, to know that God's with us here, but to know that God is with us here. There's a difference. Those six or eight inches between our mind and our hearts, our souls, believing that when we walk out of our houses in the morning, that God is with us, changes the way that we live our lives. And you might say to yourself, well, Eric, I don't even know if that's enough. That's okay, because Gideon felt the same way and God gives him a sign. Judges 6, 21, with the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. 
Ah, then now Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord. It's like this whole time, maybe he hadn't made up his mind and he wasn't even sure who this was. Now he gets it. He understands who this is. I'd say Gideon is just a little bit hard-headed, wouldn't you? He's just a little hard-headed here. God says, I plan to use you. And Gideon says, no, I don't think you can. I don't think there's any way that you're gonna be able to take the life I have and do something with it. Oh, wait, that sounds familiar. It sounds just like us. The truth is, is I don't think any of us truly knows and understands what God can and will do through our lives. We just don't get how much he wants to use us, how big of plans he has and what he's called us to. Gideon then lays out his famous fleece and we marvel at the patience of God. I mean, this guy kills me. He's so uncertain. He's so reluctant. Again, kind of like us. Look at Judges 6, 36. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, it's almost like this thing appears out of nowhere. I have a feeling this is a setup from Gideon for God. He says, look, I will place a wolf fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. I mean, wow, come on. If that were us, I think we'd say, all right, I got it. We just had a miracle done right before our eyes. I mean, that has to be enough, doesn't it? He's got it. He doesn't need anything else. Nope, he wants one more thing. Verse 39, then Gideon said to God, I don't even know how we can say this. Do not be angry with me. <laughs> Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered with dew. Again, God is so patient here. He complies with Gideon's request. And at least for the next phase, Gideon is gonna walk in confidence. So what he does is he gathers all the people of Israel, all of God's people to get ready to go back for war. But God's plan is to make things just a little bit more impossible. In, seven chapter, in chapter seven, verse two, it says, the Lord said to Gideon, I, I, this, we're, we're walking in forward with what God wants in our lives. And then this is what God says to Gideon. You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. I don't know about you, but if I'm Gideon, I'm telling God, no, I have just the right amount. In fact, I'd like a few more. <laughs> what do you mean I have too many people? How, remember God, uh, Amalekites, the Midianites, the Eastern peoples of the land at the time were, were more than the sand of the seashore as, people, as these people were attacking, the scripture says. You have too many men, God says, for me to deliver Midian into their hands. And or that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. I mean, does, does God know us or what? <laughs> he, he knows what's gonna happen if we have just a little bit too much. We're gonna say it was us. Announced now to the people. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. I'll be honest with you, if I'm following this guy, I'm surprised that even a third remained. I'm surprised that everybody didn't leave. I mean, if they're like, oh, if you're scared, you can go. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm scared. I'm gonna leave. 22,000 people left. It's crazy. I bet some of you are facing circumstances just like that. You feel like that's exactly where you're at in your life right now. Things are stacked up against you and you might feel like you're in way over your head. 
We go to God in these situations and we tell God, God, you don't understand. I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of that. And that's exactly where Gideon is. So what does God do in the middle of Gideon's situation? Let's read. I think you're gonna be surprised on on God's plan here. Verse four, it says, but the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. (laughs) You know what? Your situation is still stronger than what it needs to be. I'm gonna put you in a spot where you're gonna be able to trust me for every single area of your provision in your life. There's still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will sift them for you there. Sift them. I'm thinking to myself, no, I don't need you to sift them. I need more people. I'd be like, no, we don't need to drink, God. <laughs> let's just keep going. You know, this desert's hot. It's okay, but let's just keep moving forward. Take them down to the water. I'll sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like the dog, like a dog with those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lap with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you from the Midianites into your hands. I will give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go each to his own place. 32,000 to 10,000 the 300. If I'm Gideon, I'm thinking I was already nervous. I was already scared. How in the world am I going to do it now? And yet God keeps moving forward with his plan. Sometimes we feel like God can't help us in the situation that we're in. We feel like he just can't. There's nothing that can happen. There's nothing he can do. I mean, think about it. 300 guys against a seemingly innumerable army. Remember what we said earlier though, The kingdom of God is counterintuitive. Jesus, who already defeated all of your enemies, crushing them on the cross already, has your back. I'm telling you, because of what Jesus did on the cross, and we've, we've traded our lives for the life that Jesus did, and we're made right because of what Jesus did in the cross and living that perfect life while he was here, if he is in your corner, I still like your odds. I think you can still win. I think you can still move forward in the things that God has for you in your life. We step back and we say to ourselves, no, there's no way that I can because of the strength that I have to bring to the table. I want you to know you can't do it with the strength that you can bring to the table. But God has all of the strength that you need for the both of you. In fact, the truth is we really get to trade or we get to choose. We get to have our strength and walk in it or we get to choose God's strength and walk in his. I promise you, no matter how strong that we are, God's strength is always stronger than ours. So look what happens in Judges 7, verse nine. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. You know what that means, don't you? Gideon's still scared. He's still afraid. You know what that means for you, right? God can still use you even if you're still scared. Even if God has shown up in your life again and again and again, and you think, oh man, look at all those failures. Look at all those things that I've done. Look at all those times that I haven't trusted in God. Look at all those times where I knew that God was there, but I wasn't able to walk forward. 
God's gonna continue to do this work in Gideon and he's gonna continue to do the work in your life. God can meet you right in the middle of whatever you're facing, even if you're scared, even if you're uncertain, even if you're perplexed, even if you're frustrated or exhausted, or you find yourself completely alone. God can show up and will do an amazing work in your life. I mean, think about it. God even allows two Midianite soldiers discussing a terrifying dream about their impending destruction. We're gonna skip the actual dream part just for sake of time and and opportunity just to see what, what Gideon's gonna learn here. We're gonna move straight forward to the friend's interpretation of this dream that they heard these two opposing soldiers talking about. And Judges 7, verse 14 says, his friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. So even when Gideon thinks that he can't, God shows up and gives him a this little opportunity to hear that God is good again and again and again. So what does that story teach us about our own lives? What what does it mean for us? What can we walk away from Gideon's life to help us strengthen our own relationship and when God calls us to do great things for him? You might feel like you don't have enough courage for God to be able to do what he wants to do in your life. Can I tell you something? And this is meant for encouragement. God doesn't need your courage. He doesn't need your courage. Furthermore, he doesn't need your skill. He doesn't need your wisdom or your advice or your power or your knowledge. God only needs two simple things. He needs your willingness and he needs your availability. Your willingness is a posture of the heart. It's your attitude. It's where you you look at God and, and you decide what kind of relationship you're gonna have with him. Are you gonna go your own way? Or are you gonna choose to submit your life before God? And even if you aren't yet willing, can you at least tell the Lord, I'm willing to be made willing? Because some of us here right now, we might say to ourselves, you know, I'm not in that spot right now, Eric. I'm not in that spot to be able to throw up my hands up to God and say, God, I'm willing, do whatever you want. But I wish I was that guy. I wish I was that girl. I wish I was that person that could say to God, I'm willing to do whatever you want. Then that's your prayer. That's your prayer, God. Help me to be willing, God. I'm willing that I would be made willing. And you could ask God to do that in your heart and in your life. You know, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. So ask God for what you need in your life and let's trust him that he's gonna be faithful and true. Now, I know even in that moment, what we wanna do is we wanna say, yeah, but Eric, you don't understand. I'm nervous about this. And how can I get past that? Remember Gideon's story. God can get past all of those things and continue to work in your life. How do you do it? You stay close to Jesus. I mean, really close. Spend time with him, a great amount of time in the mornings and in the evenings. Get up in the morning thinking about what your God can do and go to bed at night, remembering all of the great things that he's done in your life. The last thing that we wanna do is lay down in our bed at nights, rehearsing all of the the insufficiencies of the day. Just trust God that he gave you what he he needed and you were able to move forward in what you need. You know, the people of God is kind of like the animal kingdom. Those who wander from the pack, or in this case, wander from God and his people are the easiest targets. So stay close to people around you. Don't feel like you need to do this alone. 
So willingness is an attitude. The second thing I said is availability. It's an action. Take one step. Take one step as you move towards God. Don't try to fight your battles alone. Don't fight your battles alone. Cry out to God and open up to his people. There's multiple ways you can do that here at Grace Life Church. You can join a life group. Maybe at the spot where you wanna lead one. You could join a serve team. You could sign up for an outreach. We talked about serve day. Man, what a, what, there isn't a better way to get connected, to see God do some great things in your life than to serve other people. God just does something magnificent in that. In just a few weeks, we have an amazing sermon series that we're gonna start called At The Movies. I wanna encourage you. It's a great opportunity to bring someone into a service with you. I wanna encourage you to do that. Get ready, start praying for the people that you're going to invite. And over this summer, man, invite them, bring them with you. It's one action step you could take. Tell your personal story of God's faithfulness in your own life. Maybe to somebody at work, maybe it's a cousin or aunt or an uncle or a child. Maybe it's your professor at school. But here's the thing, take one step. And here's the key, don't wait for trouble to prepare for trouble. The time to prepare for God to do things in your life is right now. Get connected in community. The reality is that God has great plans to use you and he only is looking for two things, willingness and availability. So you might be asking yourself, well, how did, how did Gideon's story end? I mean, could you just give me a little bit of encouragement? What happened to Gideon? Was he able to, to see God's successful plan played out in his life and the people of Israel? Let's look at what God says to do here. Remember, he went from 30,000 people, 32,000 people down to 10,000 people, down to 300 people. How's God gonna pull this out? Judges 7, 16. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gotta love how he throws his own name in there now too, right? So he's feeling a little bit more encouraged. Now you can see it's kind of, it's kind of welling up in him a little bit. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke their jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grabbing the torches in their left hands and holding it in their right hands, the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The Midianite army fled and they pursued the Midianites. When they did this, a band of 300 people sounded like, felt like an army of thousands. God caused Israel's enemies to turn on themselves and to begin to destroy each other. The great army of the Midians, the Amalekites and the Eastern peoples began to flee. And at first the 300, then all the people of Israel ran after them all the way into their destruction. I wanna encourage you Whatever it is that you feel like God is calling you to do, maybe it's something he whispered in your life years ago, and there's been fear that's been keeping you from walking it out and, and seeing God do these great things in your life. I want you to know that you have the strength that you need because God is in your corner. He's, in your, he's on your side. 
There's nothing else that you need to do. He has everything that you could possibly want for you, for him to help you accomplish all of the things he's called you to. So in just a minute here, we're gonna pray. And I wanna encourage you to go before God and take one action step. The first thing is just to be willing to go before God, posture your heart before his and tell him, hey, I'm willing to do whatever it is you want and then take one action step. Maybe it's a minute of repentance. Maybe there's something in your life you know, you just gotta tell him sorry for. Maybe there's some aspect of courage that you need in your life. God, I know that you've been calling me to talk about that situation at work, but I haven't been able to. God, tomorrow morning, when I wake up, give me the courage to be able to walk into that office and have that conversation. Help me to be able to call my child that I need to talk to. Help me to be able to talk to my father about this thing that happened years ago in our past. Whatever it is, whatever it is that God's called you to do, take one step towards it and believe that God's gonna show up and help you work it out. Not in your own strength. Eric, I don't have the strength. You're right, you don't have enough strength. That's the point. God has the strength. So let's trust him and see him work. Let's go before him now and pray and ask him to do that work. Father, we come before you, God. We thank you for who you are. We pray that you would be with us. We pray that you would strengthen us. We pray that you would encourage us, God. Just say that unto your God right now under your breath. God, encourage me, help me. Lord, I don't even think I'm willing. Help me to be in the place where I'm willing. This is a moment between you and God. Only he knows what you need to bring before him. That's why we have to go before him. We have direct access to God. He's our Lord, he's our creator. He sent his savior, his son, so that we, we might be able to have connection and relationship with him. Now is the moment. Go before him and connect with him and let him speak to you. Maybe you're here today and we've been talking about the kingdom and, and, and how it's counterintuitive. And we talked about Jesus and you're in a spot where you know that you've never made yourself willing before God. You've never laid your life down. You've never surrendered your life. Well, I want you to know that you're sitting around people right now that have made that choice and we'd love to give you an opportunity to make that same choice, to call God your God, to call Jesus your Lord and Savior, to make him your king, to serve him all the rest of your life. I'm gonna pray in just a minute. And if that's you, you can just say a prayer right under your breath and just mean it with all of your heart because I want you to know he's right here with us right now in this room. And if you're worshiping with us online, he's right there with you in your living room, your dining room, or wherever you may be joining us in this service. Just say this prayer after me under your breath. Dear Lord, I come before you. I thank you, God, for who you are. I put my trust and my faith in you. I don't have enough strength to be able to walk out my life, so I need your strength. So I put my trust and my faith in what Jesus did. I make him my king. I make him my Lord, but I thank you. I welcome in a new life, God, because this old life isn't going the way that I want it to. Help me, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.